Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, August 7th, and we're talking about the best performing tech stocks of 2020. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined by Motley Fool Premium Analyst Joey Salitro. Uh, Joey, it has been, I think to put it mildly, a good year to be invested in tech. Oh, it's been the year of technology and the year of the SPAC. So, I mean, it's been... It's been fun to see, you know, the thesis behind a lot of these companies just play out, and man, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, if, if you're looking at some of the indices as proxies here, the Nasdaq up about 20% year to date, and I believe the S&P 500 just eked into positive territory for the first time uh, yesterday, or possibly today. So uh, the heavily tech-weighted Nasdaq outperforming. And that's because so many of the benefits of these tech models have been highlighted as people have been staying at home uh, due to the pandemic. Yeah. The thesis behind a lot of these big tech companies is, you know, the kind of like the digitization of the world or, you know, the the shift to e-commerce and all these different themes that we think, you know, this could really play out in the next 10 years or we see it firsthand, you know, e-commerce representing a larger percentage of, of overall retail sales. And, you know, when everybody's stuck at home, you're not allowed to go out. It's like these technologies are what enable you to, you know, keep your normal life going. So it just kind of like accelerated those trends. And man, yeah, it's been the year of tech. So we'll be doing a countdown and we'll be talking about four of the best performing tech stocks. Um, and we're kind of looking at businesses of a certain size. You know, we tend not to look too much at companies that are in that micro cap space. So these are going to be companies with market caps that are at least in the hundreds of millions of dollars, um, kind of more established businesses, not really looking in the penny stock sphere. Uh, talking four businesses, spend a little bit of time on each one. And, and I will say, just to get us started, I think. Most years, you would look and say, okay, maybe the, the list is starting with number four at like 80% year-to-date returns or something like that. The nope. threshold, the hurdle to even be in this conversation, Joey, is 300% year-to-date returns. And the first company we're going to be discussing is a full favorite. It's one that's probably known well uh, by, by uh, people that follow our premium recommendations, and that's Fastly. Fastly is one of my pride and joys. So when I first got to the full, um, it was, you know, IPO service was in talks. And, you know, I, I, I'm one of those that I'm always looking for the next big IPO. And I remember walking into a meeting, I think Jumia was a fresh IPO. And I started talking about this company Fastly. And a very senior analyst just asked, what's Fastly? And I kind of explain it. And you see that light bulb go off. And he's just absolutely pushed that across multiple services at the full. And it's just one, you know, you see the long-term potential of a company like this, and we're going to kind of dig down into what they do. But yeah, it's been a monster year for these guys. They remind me a little bit of Twilio for people that are not familiar. Um, And if you don't know the company at all, I would just say talk to people at work, specifically tech people at work and developers. They probably know this business well in the way that, you know, a comedian can be a comedian's comedian. I think a company can be a a tech person's tech company. And that's certainly the case with Fastly. Joe, do you want to give the the quick summary on, on kind of who they are and what they do? Yeah, so Fastly is a content delivery network, CDN. Um, basically, you know, it brings everything to the edge, which, you know, if you're thinking about uh, if you want content to be delivered quickly, 
or if you want a website to load as fast as possible, you want it as close to the edge as you can possibly get. You think of it as falling off a cliff. The quickest way to fall off the cliff is if you're standing on the edge. So that's kind of like how they, they explain edge computing. So how I would originally explain a Fastly is, say Ariana Grande, and now this is back when concerts were a thing, but say Ariana Grande were, you know, her tickets were going on sale at midnight. Live Nation has like all the concert tickets on Ticketmaster. They know out of nowhere, they're going to have like 8 million people flooding this site. So they've got to quickly be able to first sustain that big of an audience, but also, you know, people add tickets to their cart, take it out, get different tickets, you know, best available, all this. They make it quick enough so those websites aren't just crashing. Another customer theirs would be, I think it's either the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, where say, you know, the election just happened. Everybody wants to know who won or who's winning what state. All those websites get flooded with people. Fastly makes the internet faster, makes sure it doesn't break. And, you know, some other customers there's being Shopify and these other big e-commerce platforms that, yeah, as everybody's sitting at home, they're going to these different Shopify-enabled websites. Shopify's got to be able to maintain these Cyber Monday-like volumes at all times. And, and Fastly is one of those tools that helps them do it. A couple other names, I mean, just to kind of, nail home here how bona fide this business is. You mentioned Shopify as a customer. I believe the New York Times and Spotify are also customers. Um, so there are there are certainly some big names that use this. And you know, all of those companies have a ton of traffic coming to their site. Um, these aren't small players. So I think to to kind of put a bow on it, they specialize in making sure that your site, your app, whatever experience users are expecting from your site, um, works. And, and that's really like the core of what they do. It's it's maybe not the most glamorous business, um, but you need for it to happen, especially if you're in anything digital. Especially in times like this. And that's kind of what it, it has caused this acceleration in their business. And, you know, this accelerating growth that they're seeing is because yeah, people were using the internet more to do more things. You know, they were using Shopify more often or these Shopify enabled sites, or they were using Spotify more or all these different streaming services. But then when people are stuck at home and told you can't go anywhere, they are relying on this to basically sustain life or entertain themselves. So that's when, you know, there could have been 100 million people using these daily. Then out of nowhere, the whole country is just sitting there, no choice but to use these services. So that's when you see their usage just absolutely surge. And then Fastly has to be able to expand to maintain that capability. And that's why you see kind of like Fastly and Cloudflare as the two-headed monster in this, you know, creating a better internet, as Cloudflare likes to say. And it's kind of like this was built for these guys. It's almost, it could have been a better wave for them. Yeah, yeah, they're thriving right now. And it's not that this business wasn't growing at a pretty decent clip beforehand. Uh, it just, wow, got even better for them. Uh, and, and this is a, you know, a, a type of business that a lot of people are going to be familiar with. High growth, pretty early on in the revenue story. Uh, pretty solid margins because we're talking about a business that's you know, delivering its product electronically. Uh, a lot of things to like here. Um, and they have swelled now to, I believe, somewhere in the, the kind of like $8 billion-ish range for market cap. Yeah, the market cap has grown quite a bit, but as you'd expect from a stock that's up over 300%. Um, so this is a situation where, yes, the revenue has accelerated significantly, but they still got to the point where, you know, that price to sales multiple is quite extended. So you've seen they had an incredible earnings release this week, but, you know, ha with how hot it has been, it's almost like anything they did 
wasn't going to be good enough. Or, you know, like a beat and raise situation, they didn't beat by enough, didn't raise by enough, which is absurd to think about it. But that's kind of how, you know, that Wall Street psychology works. So then you pair on top. Now people are kind of worried about China fears. And you see it, it's almost like I always say with massive winners that come in, it's profits evaporating, not losses mounting, especially if you've owned this for a long time. Now, have, if you were buying at 115, I'm sorry, you're going to be in a world of pain for the short term. But if you invest correctly and in investing for, you know, 10 years from now, then I look at this as an opportunity to build on that position. Yeah, and, and to put some quick numbers to that acceleration, Joe, uh, we were seeing year-over-year revenue growth somewhere in the mid-30s, mid-40s for a lot of the late quarters of 2019, uh, 62% for the most recently reported quarter. So, huge jump, and, and this is really highlighting what they do well as a business. Um, yeah, you're going to see people taking some profits when, when a company sees this kind of share price appreciation this dramatically. Uh, I would venture to guess that those are probably not necessarily hardcore foolish investors. Those are probably not people that are thinking super long-term with their holdings uh, and looking at this business as being a dramatically larger and more influential business five, ten years from now. Yeah, and I always go back to that the bulk of the volume on the market is algorithmic trading. So, you know, as you get these stocks that are falling, those algorithms kick in and it's almost like it accelerates it to the downside. We, we all saw that, or I think a lot of us saw the flash crash uh, years back. So, you know, that's all algorithmic trading. So this is a situation where if you see it, you know, dropping out, it's down 14% today, which seems, you know, quite steep, but it's still got that rich valuation. But, you know, paired with the fact that now it's growth accelerated to over 60%, I see it as, you know, this it's, it's a long-term buying opportunity, short-term pain. Yeah. And this is a great time for people who don't currently have something that helps meet these needs, get introduced to companies that help them do these things. You know, I, I think that's maybe one of the, the great things that we should focus on with this is uh, a lot of companies are all of a sudden looking for solutions that they might not even realize that they had. And so the best in class companies are probably going to see a huge swell in customers in those spaces. And if you can hold on to them, and we've seen that with a lot of these businesses, you know, dollar net retention rates are really strong for a lot of software as a service providers. Um, those wind up being long-term customers. You know, those aren't people that come and shop with you once. It's, <laughs> it's a long-term relationship. And that relationship only gets more and more lucrative for providers like Fastly as it extends out. Yeah. Page loading times are huge, not only with consumers completing transactions, but in Google search results. Because if your page doesn't load quick, they're not going to put you atop the search results. So yeah, the companies are saying, wow, we've got this huge surge in traffic. You know, what's going wrong? We've got to be better at this. Fastly and Cloudflare are who does that. And I mean, I own both of those and I'm in a world of pain and Fastly. And I think Cloudflare is having a good day. I don't know if these China tensions are bringing them down. But that's another one that, you know, I don't own this for where they're going to be next week. I own for where they're going to be in, you know, 2030. And I, I feel like they will both be significantly larger. I think my kids even own Fastly, so. <laughs> well, your kids are very good investors, Joey. They're incredible. <laughs> I look at their returns daily. The seven-month-old had a two-bagger at his six-month birthday in C Limited. I'm like, man, you are incredible. The girls have, uh, they've had like Etsy, Pinterest takeoff, uh, Shopify, C Limited. Those kids, I need to take notes because they are incredible. <laughs> I hope the seven-month-old paid for the party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our second stock we're going to be talking about, slightly better returns, up 350% year-to-date, is Fiverr. 
And um, this is one that I think has been introduced to the Fool community before. I will admit, I did uh, I did a prospectus show on them when they had their initial prospectus available. And there were things that I liked about this business, but I had some hesitations about being too bullish on it. Man, I love Fiverr. So this is one, when it was first taking off, I actually sold stuff. And not like I sold like a service on Fiverr. Because um, I was looking at like what the top trending things is like making lists for certain things. So I like would Google that list, but then sell it on Fiverr using like just this. It was incredible. So I saw what the platform does and almost like the it reminded me kind of like the Etsy. It's a marketplace. You know, they're not selling these services. They don't have that big cost. And then you kind of see the ecosystem they're building but behind like invoicing, um, project management, all these different tools to enable, you know, these entrepreneurs or even just these side gigs, almost like a better version of Upwork because Upwork was Elance and Odesk merged. Elance was fantastic. Odesk was a train wreck, put them together. It's almost like the train wreck came out in the two of them. So I would always default to Fiverr. I remember pitching this, uh, this one to services when it was in the teens thinking like, you know, the marketplace aspect, the gig economy is strong with this one. You know, the force is strong with this one. And you see it's just absolutely taken off. And they had earnings earlier this week, and you see it absolutely surging. And, you know, this is one I wish I would have bought because I believed in it so strongly. But, man, it's incredible to watch what they're doing. Yeah, and I could see how a business like this would be doing well right now. You know, uh, people either out of work or possibly looking for some extra income. Um, they connect people that have skills, you know, folks that maybe work as illustrators, audio engineers, um, anything that can be kind of sent out as contract work with people that need those services. I, I will say, I mean, I'm I'm kind of amazed that Fiverr and Upwork have had such different stories as publicly traded companies because I remember looking back at the prospectus and saying, okay. Well, this is a high growth business, Fiverr. The margins are really solid because they are a marketplace. You know, there's there's not a lot that they really have to put out there uh, in terms of costs. Um, they had a decent balance sheet. They had a good amount of cash. They were covering their debt, but Upwork was so much bigger than them, and already had such a bigger top line. Already seemed to be such a more established business. We used Upwork here at the Fool, and I had a hard time seeing how Fiverr was going to make it work. I've been so wrong about that. Fiverr has been a much better stock to own. The the platform of Fiverr is far beyond what Upwork um, is and could ever be at this point. I had a very bad experience with Upwork at my last company when I was trying to find you know different people that did different things. And Fiverr was so simple. You know, you want to have something done with your website. My brother has a uh, it's he's a general contractor. He has like an engineering company and does like roofing and stuff. He had someone on Fiverr build out his website. He's like someone quoted him for 10 grand before. He had it done for like 1500 bucks on Fiverr. And yet a lot of these people will be like international talents. I think I'm pretty sure Fiverr is Israel based and they have operations uh, throughout Europe and all that. But it's one of those where, you know, you've got this international community that have the same skill set that, you know, they can offer services at deeply discounted prices and result in as good of a product as if you hired someone, you know, from some fancy firm in New York City. And it's so easy. You're just scrolling through. Now, the only part of Fiverr that is tough to navigate is if you want someone that does like graphic design, there are 12,000 people that are offering that. But I also think that's impressive because of the network effect of that is, holy crap, there's 12,000 you know, designers that are on this platform. They see just how powerful it is. If they're also using these other tools that Fiverr does, I see the other tools as kind of like their optionality. If they can have the invoicing specifically for these people, it might be 
hey, I want to offer my design services not only here, but also on Fiverr or also on these other ones. Oh, I can also do my invoicing here. I can also do this management here. And you kind of see that ecosystem that they're building really take off. And it's kind of like they're the ecosystem of the gig economy. And yeah, it's had a massive run and that valuation is very stretched. But in the long term, you know, as more people do freelance work or these side gigs to drive extra income, you know, it, it, the work from home style, you know, everybody might be contractors one day. You can really see just how big this company could be in the future. Yeah, I was so excited to be an Upwork shareholder. Uh, I think I first bought in a little over a year ago, and that, that hasn't been a great position for me. But I looked at what was happening in terms of work and said, okay, I, my bet here is that more people are going to be doing gig work, are possibly living in other countries and doing work for companies. Um, that contractor model seems to be successful for a reason, and it's helpful for businesses to be asset light. I think a lot of the... Uh, a lot of workers like being able to be wherever they want to be. So there are a lot of benefits here. Upwork seemed like an easy bet on that. If you wanted to blindly bet on the trend, you could buy them both, but Fiverr's been such a better business to own. Um, I'm kind of kicking myself in the same way that you are, Joey, uh, for, for not scooping up shares earlier because it's just been a fantastic company to own over the last you know six to eight months. Yeah, it's very rare that I pass on these massive opportunities um, so I am disappointed in myself that I didn't see this one, especially since I, I was familiar with the product and the ecosystem that they were building. But then I kind of defer back. You can't own them all. So, you know, it, maybe if it pulls in or, you know, comes in a little bit and you want to take a stab at it. But this one, it's a little too red hot for me now. All right. The uh, third company we're going to talk about is ACMR, which is ACM Research, up 450% year to date. It's an extra 100% right there on top of what we saw uh, with Fiverr. Uh, and this company specializes, and I'm going to quote from the website because this is business that I'm not super familiar with, Joe. You probably know it better than I do. In the next generation of Megasonic wafer cleaning, an advanced and innovative suite of technologies utilizing smarter, more comprehensively controlled Megasonic techniques. Whew, that was a word salad. So this is one, along with even like an Infi, IPHI, that they, it's such an advanced technology and so far over my head that when I was researching it, it was one of those, you know, it's too advanced to even understand. And then I go to like, okay, so these guys more have like the, the hardware angle servicing the semiconductors and I see the purpose of their service and all that, but it's just one of those that semiconductors aren't my jam and having these guys focused on it, I, I just wrote them off after they had come public. And when I was seeing, oh, this stock, it was, I remember looking at them, they were like 38 bucks or something like that. And they had jumped and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't really get what they do. And it just keeps running and running and running. And I'm kicking myself like I should have done the research because, you know, all these different chips that are going into everything that we do that are powering all the biggest trends around the world. Like this was a no brainer. I just didn't apply my brain to see that. And, and then you look at their technology, yeah, this advanced wafer cleaning technology and their customer base and just what they do. Now, the, the one negative I had seen was they had two companies that represented like over 50% of their business. And that was a big red flag. Uh, I brought it up. It's like Yangtze Memory Technology and Shanghai Microelectronics, uh, two Chinese manufacturers. And not that I, I, had, I care that, you know, it's Chinese manufacturers, but those very large customers. Now, what I should have seen is these customers churn out so much that these are kind of like, if you sell boxes, you want to sell to Amazon type situation rather than 
seeing it as concentration risk. But man, have they continued to deliver on earnings? Yeah, and actually, this this company I think brings up an interesting investing point. Um, and I have generally stayed away from the inputs and the semiconductors that go into the tech space because I've just felt like I don't have an advantage there. I don't know the technical elements of um, devices well enough to really pick out the winners and losers. And you know, anyone who has chased. Apple suppliers and tried to make money investing in them. It, you know, some of them have made a lot of money. Some of them gotten burned pretty bad. Um, I look at this business, and even though they are a little bit more winner agnostic, and they're kind of servicing the industry, and still say, I think this is outside of my core competence. I don't think I know this industry or this space well enough to really know that this is a best-in-class provider. And it's awesome to see that there are, you know, some some great gains here. Um, I'm sure you know some members of our community have enjoyed those. Um, but if this story turned around and started going sour, I don't think I would know it before it started really happening. And see, that's the problem that I have with this one is, uh, so I debated buying it again, you know, when it, it, was, it was around like 82 or 83 bucks a share. And I was seeing, you know, the, the growth story and you could kind of see, you know, this could really play out and be something huge. The problem is then I, I started looking at it as, you know, if this stock were to start tanking, it's one that I would cut and run on because I don't fully grasp what they do. I could watch all the videos on YouTube I want. I could look at all their presentations and think I have a deep understanding of what they do, but it's still not something that I was so confident in that I was willing to put money in. But if, you know, if this is something that you specialize in or that you fully understand, then this could still be a huge winner long term because I'm looking at I think the market caps 1.8 billion and yeah, the stock's down significantly today. But you know, a 1.8 billion dollar company, depending on the demand for these going forward, and you know how chips are going into everything these days, it, it could still be a huge winner going forward. I just don't have the confidence in my abilities to analyze a company like this to actually deploy capital into it. Yeah, and you know what? There are no called strikes in investing, right? You know, you can't we can't own them all. We, you can't own them all. It's not Pokemon. Uh, you can pick whatever metaphor you want to use, but uh, the point here is, you know, it's okay to say this is out of my wheelhouse. I'm going to invest in stuff that I understand better. I'm certainly putting that one in this bucket. Um, this last company, Joey, up over fourteen hundred percent year to date. And while I understand what they do, I I cannot wrap my do head you? around these returns. <laughs> so this is one that so Austin Morgan's behind the glass today. And I, I swear, I must message him daily where I'm like, yeah, this bottomed around 250. Now it's 100. And I remember thinking it was funny when it was at 40 and then at 60 and then 80. Like overstock.com, I get it. I haven't used that maybe since like 2004. And when I bought one thing, like something for my gym at my parents' house or something like that. Like it's been so long since I used the platform. And I remember when they pivoted to being a cryptocurrency company, they had like the, the iTero or something like that. They're selling cryptocurrency. So I was like, is this the crypto company? Is this the marketplace? And then I was like, wait, does, is the marketplace, do they keep inventory for themselves? Or are they just kind of like a Wayfair? They connect buyers and sellers. Like, what do they do? It's just, I wish they changed their name to something else because I think overstock.com, like no one uses that. Like, how is this doing it? So then I just think maybe this is maybe it's a Dave Portnoy trade a trade or you know a Robin Hood thing. Uh, it's just insane what's happening over there. 
Yeah, I think what's what's so hard for me to wrap my head around here is this is not a new business, Overstock.com. Uh, to your point, uh, it was it was founded in 1999. I think I used it in the early aughts to order some stuff, and then I basically forgot about it. And this business has been publicly traded for over 15 years, um, and wasn't exactly lighting the world on fire. I mean, it was like I think kind of an also ran in the e-commerce space, and prior to I think their most recently reported quarter, they were seeing year-over-year revenue declines. And so it's it's not like this business is lighting it on fire. Um, they have been a huge, huge beneficiary of COVID because people are ordering online. They are staying at home. Uh, they've noted in their management calls that people are looking to outfit their patios and their home spaces because they're spending more time there. And I think they've seen new customers triple year over year. Um, but just because they are seeing all this action and this enthusiasm uh, on the e-commerce side, is any of that sustainable? Not for them, I don't think. Like I could see this with a Wayfair because my experience with Wayfair has been incredible. Now I know they've had some very negative news that I hope doesn't turn out to be anything true. But like I've ordered stuff from Wayfair that comes broken, and they're like, "Yeah, donate it. We're gonna send you a new one." And they just completely trust them. Like, "Oh, I'll send you pictures. Oh, no need." And so like the customer service angle of Wayfair, then you see, okay, it's not. They do have their in-house brands. Uh, and they're kind of like connecting buyers with sellers of other brands as well. So you can kind of see that with Overstock, there's just so many question marks. Wayfair has been a consistent grower. Overstock, like you said, was declining, 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 then out of nowhere accelerating. So I, I when I put Overstock with like an Etsy that's seeing just absolute surging growth, you know, Wayfair is similar, Amazon. When I put the whole e-commerce basket in front of me, overstock nowhere close to the top so to see the surge in the stock yeah i get that it got down to like two bucks a share and i could see i could fathom you know them going to 10 but for them to be triple digits today is like the ultimate head scratcher i have no regrets about missing this one because it would have been like the shortest of short-term trades i'd hold for the minimum period that molly fool requires and then i'd be blowing out of that thing but wow, it like it's just a rocket ship, and I don't know when it'll explode, but I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, I certainly don't want to be holding the bag when the business has to live up to the valuation that it's earned. Um, you know, Wayfair seemed to have stepped in and taken Overstock's spot in the e-commerce non-Amazon world. And it's insane to me. I saw a headline from uh, some investing outlet that was saying, you know, is is Overstock the pure play Amazon competitor? And I looked at, it, I was like, what year is it? You know, that we're having this conversation. Um, it it seems to me that this is entirely hype driven. Um, and and I just I can't look out five years from now and say, yeah, this is going to be a bigger and better company. I feel like they kind of had their shot at that. Granted, they have some new management. Um, their uh, their CEO has been at the helm, I think, since September of 2019. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, and it's possible they're making some operational shifts. I know CEO Patrick Byrne was a bit of a controversial figure before that, but nothing says nothing that I've seen at least says to me like, yeah, this business is markedly better, and there's been a step change in how it operates and the thesis. It seems that they're benefiting from some e-commerce sales that probably would have been physical sales before, but I, I can't imagine that that's sustainable for them. And this is one where, you know, say it, it 10Xs from here. It's not one that I'm going to be 
kicking myself over. It's going to be one of those, I'm fine with watching this from the sideline because I do not believe in the product. I don't believe in the platform. I don't believe in management. I still don't know about the cryptocurrency, like what that situation is. And I don't care enough to even research to find out because I don't care about overstock or crypto. So I'm just left in the, the biggest, I do not care about this company. But wow, if you place the trade in the twos, please tweet it out and retweet it daily and just brag because that's incredible. Yeah, that deserves to be printed out and put on a fridge. Oh yeah, you frame that and you tell kids for years. Um, so we've been a little skeptical or perhaps sitting on the sidelines and admitting to sitting on the sidelines of some of these just because they're simply too hard. Of these four, Joe, uh, if you are buying and holding one for five years, which one do you have the strongest conviction uh, will be a better and bigger business? Uh, fastly, no doubt. Um, so Fiverr, I love the platform and that would be a close second. Like I said, ACM Research, I still, I it's over my head. I, I somewhat get the gist of it. I don't believe in it enough to hold it long-term. Overstock, absolutely no chance. Fastly, it's just as I see everything shifting online, you know, whether than e-commerce, uh, uh, the phenomenal quote by Microsoft CEO where he was saying, you know, they saw it was like two years of digital transformation in two months when the pandemic was first starting. And you see some of these charts of e-commerce shifting where it's gone from like a single digit percentage of total retail sales pushing 30%. And you know that that trend just accelerated as people see, oh, we can do all this online. Or, you know, The Motley Fool, we probably didn't know that we could operate as a fully remote company. We probably had, we were confident, but when we were forced to do it, you know, there's been no hiccup in anything that I've done other than, hey, we got to download this or, hey, update this. So you see how people are realizing everything that they could do online and possibly even do it better. Because I, I feel like I can do more work more efficiently when I wake up and come downstairs, I'm in my gym and my office. And when I'm done, I can go straight up and take my kids out scootering rather than getting home just in time for dinner and bedtime. So it's like everybody's seeing just how much they can do and how Fastly is one of those companies that enable it to happen more efficiently and quickly or Fastly. So, <laughs> uh, so I love that. And that's why I own both it and Cloudflare and you know, this is the one, it's almost like if I owned all these, which would I be adding to today? So Fastly is a hands down winner for that. What about you? Yeah, I'd say, you know, Fastly and Fiverr are both, I think, relatively strong investable ideas. There, There's things to be excited about with both those businesses, both in the trends pushing them forward and the core fundamentals of those businesses. Um, I put ACMR in the it's out of my circle of competence. I know it's out of my circle of competence. And there's probably some returns to be gained there, but I'm not going to have any window into that business and I'm not going to have any advantage there. Overstock, um, I hope it's not Kodak. You know, I hope no. I hope it's not one of those situations. Um, and I hope that they're able to, you know, revive the brand and turn into a, a successful business. Um, two decades of operating history to me says that they've had the chance to do that and that I can put my money elsewhere. I put Overstock and Kodak in the same exact boat where you were doing so badly for so long. Why now? Like, why do you deserve my money now? Why aren't you going to ruin it like you did for years? And there's no good answer to that question. So it's like, yeah, you, you don't even reach my top hundred list. I did see though on one list that Kodak was one of the top 100 brands in the world on someone's list. And there's an ETF built around that. And I wanted to email them like, what is wrong with you? 
how is that one of the top brands? And it was almost like just because it was internationally recognized, like when you see that, like that does, everybody knows cigarette brands that doesn't make it great. Like they kill their consumers, but I guess, I guess there's the Kodak moment, you know, and and that, that endures as an idea, but uh, I don't know. Mic drop. That was good. (laughs) All right, Joey, thanks so much for hopping on today's episode with me. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Always glad to be here. Ready to do it next time. Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more stuff, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show. And the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Fool on.